Hello, how you going? Welcome to Oceans Online. So, so glad that you can join us here. My name is Shafin and we are in the middle of lockdown right now, as you can very tell. If you're not um, from Western Australia, we've entered into a three-day lockdown. Started midnight Friday. Hopefully it will end midnight on Monday night. Um, and so I flew down to Albany, had a, a plane flight already booked and I actually flew down Friday night. And so I'm coming to you here from Oceans in Albany in this beautiful cafe. Uh, that we've got down here and it is so good to have you here with us. Um, we are right now in the middle of a three-part series that is all about vision, about where we believe that God is taking us as a church. And so uh, last week, for the first week, we looked at uh, grow at know God because our vision is very simple as a church, is that we want everyone to know God, we want everyone to grow together and go with purpose. And so last week we looked at uh, the idea of knowing God and how Paul actually listed all of his achievements, all of the great things he had in life, and he said, this is nothing. In fact, it's when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ, it weighs up as nothing compared to knowing God. In other words, although he had everything without Christ, really he had nothing. But what he actually said as well is, although I might have nothing, if I have Christ, then I have everything I need. And so we've all been created by God for intimacy and relationship with Him, which is what last week was all about. And now we're into the second part of our vision, which is all about growing together. It's all about growing in our faith. Um, we have our three beautiful young kids, Oscar, Winter and Liana, and they were so, so cute when they were growing up. And Jess and I, we didn't want them to stop growing. We wanted them to stay cute. Uh, Jess would just love, especially Winter's pudgy legs. In fact, he's going to be our baby for the rest of his life. Poor kid. Um, but, you know, you want your kids just to say younger, stay cute for longer. And our daughter, Liana, actually used to call a dog uh, Didu. And so whenever we said, what's that, Liana? She'd look and she'd say, Didu. And it was so cute. It's so lovely. It's so funny. But how weird would that be if, as a 20-year-old, we said, hey, what's that over there, Liana? And she said, it's a Didu. As a 20-year-old, it'd just be like weird, really weird if she didn't grow up out of her baby ways. It'd be very weird for us as adults if we're still sucking onto our dummies or um, we need other people to feed us or to dress us. And unfortunately, sometimes this can be what we're like as Christians. Um, we sometimes, though we grow up in age and we get older in age, sometimes we can forget that we also need to grow from being baby Christians into being mature Christians. And this is what growing is all about. Uh, the truth is that Jesus will meet us in our mess. He'll meet us as we are, as new Christians, as newborn babies. But he loves us too much to leave us there in our spiritual diapers. And he wants us to graduate and grow in our faith into full maturity. Um, because healthy things grow, as we know. Um, but when we talk about growth or spiritual growth, there's two different types of growth in the world. Um, the world's version of growing is all about me, all about me and my plans, all about my desires. In fact, uh, the world's opinion is that you need, to live, you need to live your best life now. You get a whiteboard, a clean slate of paper, you come up with your dreams and your ambitions, and if you can tick the boxes, then you just got to go for your life. It's all about personal growth. But... Growth according to the Gospels, growth according to Jesus, biblical growth is actually the opposite. Rather than live your best life, Jesus actually says, die to your life. 
It's literally the complete opposite. Uh, John the Baptist said that I must decrease and Jesus must increase in my life. In fact, Jesus went one step further. He said, he went rather than decreasing, if you want to follow me, die. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Die to your ambition, die to your desires, die to your best life now and actually humble yourself before God and live your life according to his desires for our life. And so when we talk about spiritual growth, there's a theological term called sanctification. Um, when we come to know God, as we spoke about last week, we're talking about salvation. We are instantly made righteous before God by God's gift of being made right with God through what Jesus has done for us on the cross. But when we talk about sanctification, what that talks about is being set apart or to be made increasingly holy, if you like. And sanctification is the progressive disconnect in the life of a believer from sin towards righteousness. Uh, salvation is more of a declaration. You are right, righteous, but sanctification is a process of making us more righteous and more like Jesus. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 talks about how we, how the Spirit makes us more and more like Christ Jesus as we're made more and more into His image. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that we can partner with. And when we think about God's plan for our life, sometimes we can think that God... You're working all things together for me to achieve my plan in life. And we can go to Romans chapter 8, verse 28, which is so encouraging. It says, We know that God causes everything, the good and the bad, to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. And sometimes we can get that key word, key word, His purpose for us, rather than our purpose. We go, sometimes, God, you're working all things together for me to achieve my plans for my life. But... Actually, when we read the following verse in verse 29, we discover what God's ultimate plan for us in our life is. Romans 8 verse 28 and then 29 says, For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. God has chosen us in Christ Jesus to fulfill the good plan he has for us, which ultimately is for us to become like Jesus. You know, God's purpose for our life isn't to be comfortable to achieve our, our goals or to reach certain positions or profiles or to see our, our you know, self-determined sort of destinies achieved, but it's actually for us to grow to become increasingly more like Jesus. And, and God will use all things in our life to achieve this purpose for us, um, especially hard times. Uh, 1 Peter verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 6 to 7 actually describes this process in detail. It says, so truly, be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It has been tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, not just a couple, sometimes we're like, enough. It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You know, this little while, I think in this context, means our whole life. And all of us will face many trials throughout our life. But do you know what? God doesn't work all things together for our good in terms of we want more gold in our hands. He actually works all things together for the good of us so that he can produce gold in our hearts. He says our faith is far more worth 
than just gold and these lists of achievements and look what I've done with my life and look at the position that I'm now in. God has an eternal perspective. He loves you so much. He wants to give you something so much more valuable than mere gold. He wants actually you and I to share in the glory of Jesus in eternity. That will last forever. And God is saying, I love you. I love you so much. I don't want just to put physical gold in your hand. I want the gold in you to be something that will last forever, that will last for eternity. And you know, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5 also talks about how God will even discipline us. You know, we talk about God's love for us and He will just shower gifts on us. And do you know what? He will. You know, God actually wants, has got good things for us to do. I think that He desires that we would enjoy the good things of life to His glory. But what we're talking about is God's ultimate goal. For us to become Christ-like. In verse five of chapter five, of verse five of chapter twelve, it says, "Have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as His children?" He said, "My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline, and don't give up when He corrects you." You know, sometimes the hard times we go through in life, we blame on Satan, but actually, sometimes, regardless of the source of it, God will allow it into our lives to actually discipline us. It says, for the Lord disciplines those that he loves. Sometimes we're like, you hate me, God. God's like, no, I don't. I'm looking for the gold in you and something that has eternal value. And as we drop down to verse 10, it says, for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. So we might go through this process of sanctification of Letting go of the flesh, of the sin that wants to corrupt us in our heart. It says, verse 11, No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there'll be a peaceable harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. This is a God who loves you and I so much that he desires us to become like Jesus so we might share in his glory. And while we're on earth, actually there's real benefits to becoming more like Jesus. You see, The more we become more like Christ, the less of us and our flesh that exists, the more free we are from sin that holds us back, the more free we are, the more actually closer to our authentic selves we become. The more free we are from our lust, the more free we are from from deceit and things in our life that want to corrupt us, the more authentic we are and the more accurately we reflect Christ as an image bearer of God and bring Him glory. Um, See, the aim of growth or sanctification is not to know more, but to actually love more. So the goal of our faith in sanctification or the ultimate expression of our growth, again, isn't how much we know, but how much we love. And we see this in a popular scripture read at weddings a lot of the time. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1 to 2. It said, I could speak all the languages of earth and of the angels, but if I didn't love others, I'd be just making a whole lot of racket, a whole lot of noise. It might look good, but it's nothing. It's just noisy. It's a gong or a clanging cymbal. What good is that? If I had the gift of prophecy, if I was so spiritual, I had the gift of prophecy. It's a good gift, but, it, but he's saying, if I had the gift of prophecy, if I understood all of God's secret plans, all the conspir- all the God's secret plans, and I possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith, I could move mountains. Wow. If I didn't love others, I'd be nothing. My faith would be worth nothing. But then it goes on in verse 4. But love is patient, it's kind, it's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. 
doesn't demand its own way. What about my plans? It's not irritable, keeps no record of being wronged. It doesn't, how much do we do that? We keep records, these lists in our minds. But you, we keep this offence against people. Love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. It never gives up and never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. You know, the goal of our faith isn't how much we know, but how much we love. And it's repeated in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. It says, For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there's no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. There's no elite class or lower class when it comes to our external, how we look on the outside. But what is important is faith expressing itself in love. The ultimate, if you like, expression of our Christian growth and maturity is the depth and the quality of love that we have, that we show to God and that we show to each other and that we show to the world, how we serve the world. I think that the way that we serve the world is the ultimate expression of our faith, how well we serve others. So we're saved, we're sanctified in order for us to serve and to love well. And you know what? When we love well, God commands His blessing. You know, if we want a blessing in our life, if we want this elusive prosperity, this, this good stuff in our lives, then the, the, the way to achieving that is to die to self, to live a life that serves others. And that is what attracts the presence and the power of God in our life. That's what he wants to put his blessing on is when we reflect the image of Christ in that way. And so just want to highlight um, the second part of our vision is grow together. I've spoken about how God wants us to grow, but we believe as a church, Jess and I truly believe that um, the greatest determining factor in our growth in life and faith comes down to the relationships that we have. A key to growth is not to live in isolation, but actually to do it together. A proverb says that iron sharpens iron. If we want to grow sharper in our faith, we need to get around other people. They might better rub the arises off of our character, of our personalities, that we'll become more like Jesus, that we can support each other. Um, Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 it says, Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ, which can really be summed up in love God and love other people. It comes back down to love. Um, when we get around each other, when you develop intimate relationships with each other, it's more conducive to our spiritual growth and health. Um, James chapter 5 verse 16, it says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. You know, the truth is we don't need to run to a priest to be forgiven. We can get right with God by coming before Him, by receiving in faith His forgiveness. He's so willing to forgive um, straight to God. But what this verse talks about is healing, is wholeness in our life, is for us to grow in wholeness. And when we confess our sins, our shortcomings, our moral failings, maybe just simply the way that we've hit the mark in certain areas of our life, as we get real and raw with each other, and do this journey. As we pray for one another, the power of God is released. We can grow in wholeness. We can grow in wholeness and holiness as we do this together. Um, there's one saying that says, show me who your friends are. Show me your friends. And based on that, I'll show you your future. Who we hang out with, the people we do life with, it will determine our growth in life and in faith. And so very, very practically, just for, just for one more moment is, how we outwork this in church is very intentional. It's not left just to chance, but the way that we do this is by 
what we call adopting the temple to table rhythm. Um, the temple to table rhythm, which I'll explain in a second, is our practical outworking of the principle to be planted in the house of God. You know, Psalms talks, talked about how when those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in and out of every season. They will flourish in the courts of our God, bearing fruit, even in their own old age. You know, when we talk about, again, growth, what we want to talk about is the fruit that our growth produces. If you think about a fruit tree, for example, um, you don't judge a, a fruit tree by how much foliage it has. Wow, look at the foliage on that. That's a massive fruit tree. You judge it by its fruit. Is it, is it producing juicy fruit that people can take and enjoy? You know, the ultimate limitless test of our growth in life is the fruit we produce, the fruit of the Spirit. And we want to produce fruit in our life. And the way that we can do that is by being planted in the house of the Lord. And, and our practical outworking of being planted is to adopt the temple to table rhythm. Now, what is that? And when we look at Acts chapter 2, um, Acts chapter 2, it talks about the early church, the first church ever born out of revival. And the first church was actually a mega church, funnily enough. It was a church of 3,000 people in Jerusalem. And one day he responded to Peter's gospel. They were cut to the heart and they put their faith in Jesus. And so it describes the church in Jerusalem. And it says that they would gather at the temple, but then they would also gather around the table. They would break bread at, around the Lord's Supper in each other's homes. And so how would they pastorally care for people? How would they outwork their discipleship? Well, it was outworked as they broke around small groups around the table. So come to hear the apostles teaching and edification and corporate worship at the temple. But then they meet each other around the table during the week as well. And so this is what we have adopted as a rhythm. It's like a heartbeat. It's a rhythm that we've adopted as a church. Um, at Oceans Church in Perth and something that we're growing to adopt in Oceans Albany as well. Um, and so what we do is every, th every Thursday night we meet in small groups, we do dinner parties around the table and this is a rhythm we encourage everyone in our church to adopt. And I don't know what church you're a part of if you're joining us online. Why don't you adopt a temple table rhythm in your life? And we've seen that as people have adopted this rhythm in their life, we have seen as we've coached people to develop this habit in their life, we've seen lives transformed as they simply implemented and prioritized this in their life. And so we just want to believe in you that you can grow in your faith as you get planted in the house of God. And for us as Oceans Church, as we adopt this temple to table rhythm, as we prioritize doing life with each other, we're going to grow in our faith. We're going to become more and more Christ-like. And we're going to see the fruit of the Holy Spirit outworked in our lives as we reflect the glory of God and uh, in Jesus' name. Let me just pray for you as I finish. Lord God, I thank you for every single person that's watching this online. And I thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, Lord, as we simply humble ourselves before you, God. I thank you, God, that you outwork the sanctification process in our lives, God, as it becomes less about us and more about you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.